Hey, everybody. Welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast from Vitality, where we get the opportunity to talk to people from all walks of life about their personal journeys towards becoming legend. This week, we had the great honor of speaking with Jeff Loback. And Jeff is one of the most interesting people I have ever met. He volunteers for the Tony Robbins Firewalk crew. And he also has this really amazing perspective on life. This perspective that a lot of us seem to think we understand, but when push comes to shove, it seems that we don't. And that is that health must be our number one priority in life. Because without health, we simply cannot do any of the other things we want. We cannot provide for our family. We cannot take care of our family. We cannot go on those vacations we want to do. We cannot enjoy life without our health and wellness. There's a moment in here where we start to talk a little bit about the, the cost of nursing homes and, and the, advent, the, the advantage of pushing off the nursing home and why that's so fundamental in, in taking care of ourselves. And I, I utilize a number of $300,000 as the average cost per year of a nursing home. I, looking into that a little further, I've seen the range between ninety dollars and $300,000 as the average cost. So Let's utilize that $90,000 number. Let's say it's this low-end average cost. That's $246 a day. That's $7,380 a month that we can save ourselves and our family just by taking care of ourselves right now. Every single month we can push off that nursing home. We can save ourselves $7,380 at the low end of the scale. Keep that in mind as you listen to this. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It is so profound. Without further ado, Becoming Legendary with Jeff Lobeck. There are no gold medals for down dog. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Can become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself 1% Your better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you for joining me on Becoming Legendary. How's the day? Oh, it's going great. Great. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's super, super fun to have you here. So I always like to start off with what does the typical day of Jeff look like? Typical day? Typical day. That's a really good question. It's not always typical, but if it would be what I planned the night before, I set my alarm for five and typically I'll get up after the first snooze. So I'm up about 10 minutes after five. And then I have a morning routine, and my morning routine is more being proactive than just letting life happen. Mm -hmm. So I've come to the point where in my life, you know, I need to hydrate myself. So, you know, I do my bathroom duties, and then it's upstairs to uh, to uh, get some good water in me, get about a quarter water in me. And, and uh, it's really interesting. I just had a conversation about this the other day where somebody, uh, somebody asked me, I drank coffee in the morning. And I said, I do like to have a cup of coffee, but I don't do it in the morning. I said, I do a cup of bone broth. Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> and I just said, I said, I don't know. I can't like defend it. I just heard good things about it. So mm-hmm. I've been doing it for about six months. Mm-hmm. And uh, so take some oils and uh, then I sit down and I have a kind of a morning routine where I get on Facebook and uh, I was taught a couple years ago that I need to study and then I need to teach it right away. It's more or less an open journal of what's going on in my life. So I call it uh, uh, insights from morning studies. So yeah. anything that I've studied from the day before and you know, every once in a while I have like a, a thing in my notes where I've like captured something. And whatever I'm feeling, I more or less will just, uh, I'll share that. Mm-hmm. And more or less sharing it with me, but I get a lot of people that will give comments back or they don't and that's yeah. totally fine. So as that progresses and then I get into like my body, so I go and make sure that I sweat and I've got a morning routine right now. I'm on a 90 day um, path of P90X. It's a 30 minute thing. Most, most people know about, mm-hmm. about it. Uh, I've got 31 or 32 days into that right now. Okay. And, uh, and then I uh, go into meditation. I do uh, a one hour meditation where I get into the meditation and I typically, the first three hours of the day is mine. And then about 8, 8.30 is when um, the rest of it comes in. But I feel like by 9 o'clock in the morning, if I take a deep breath and just come to the present moment, I realize everything that I had done up until then is I've already won for the day. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've already, you know, if any, nothing else happens for the day, it's already it's already. Yeah, it's already a good day. Once you, when when you said it's eight thirty, I I was it brought me back right because you'd listed off a, a, you've accomplished a lot. And it's eight thirty in the morning. I think that's that's an awesome thing right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a little bit of a shock for me when you said at eight thirty because you had listed off so many things that are already done and accomplished. That mm-hmm. it's, so it's good to get that early start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and it makes you feel good, and it, it's like. You have control over your life and you're not, you're not letting, you know, life control you. Mm-hmm. And that time of day is really easy. It's easier to, to hold that control, right? There's, there's less distractions in that early morning time. That's why it, that time is so valuable to me is there's, there's less pulls, right? There's just less things pulling on you at 5.45 in the morning. <laughs> you, you exponentially more pulls at 9.45 in the morning, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's how I put it. Absolutely. And I... I think as you say that to me, what pops into my head is it's kind of like people say when you go to the gym, the hardest part about going to the gym is walking through the doors yep. <laughs> or like going to yoga. The hardest part is getting to yoga yep. and then you, everything else just, you're like, oh, I'm glad I came yep. and getting out of bed. Yep. The hardest part is getting out of bed. Once you get out of bed, then, then it just flows. Yeah. Yeah. No, that. Your, your, um, your insight from your morning studies, that's one of the things that I find really interesting. Um, you're really consistent about that. I think there, it's a really nice open kind of window into what's going on in, in your mind. I love, I love that you started sharing that. How, how, did that. how did that become a thing for you? It was two years ago in August that I went to a boot camp. Uh, the boot camp's called Wake Up Warrior happens out in California and in a nutshell uh, what Garrett J. White teaches is that when you can gamify most guys they like to have like a a game that's going on in our lives you know we like sports and stuff so 
he's created like a gamified system for us to win. And he has four pillars, and the four pillars are your body, um, your being, your balance, and relationships, or uh, and your business. And really, what it is is it's, it's your body. Uh, the second one, being, is your spirituality. Third one, your balance, is your relationships with your spouse, kids, and people that are close to you. And then the last one, of course, is business. But when you get to the to the um, the business part of it. Um, and I'll back up just a little bit. It's really easy for men to see if they're winning in business mm-hmm. because they can look at their bank, bank account. account. They can yep. look and say, hey, how am I doing? Yep. Uh, when it comes to your body, you can go step on the scale. You can you know, get your body fat tested. Yep. You like, here we go. But the other two are a little harder to like gamify, like number, you know. Yep. So what he came up with is a process to where you get points for doing things. So... You get a point for your body, and there's two things you do. You get a half a point for each. So you sweat in the morning. You do. Oh, you sweat. They ask you to do it in the morning, but typically sometime during the day you sweat, and then you drink a green smoothie. So you get a point for that. When you get down to the spirituality and the um, relationship thing, that's a little bit tougher. Um, and Indian also like in you know in business too. Business you can rate it by your um, bank account, but also it's like, how am I doing in business? Am I getting to where I want to go? Mm-hmm. So in business, one of the things he has is that the, the points that you get, you get a half a point for studying, then you get a half a point for teaching it. Mm-hmm. That's where the insights for okay. morning study started okay. to where I go study something mm-hmm. and then I would teach it because it's like the flip coin, flip side coin. You really, if you would read a book, and it's the intention behind anything. Reading a book is cool. Mm-hmm. But reading a book just to read it or reading a book to teach it, all of a sudden you start reading it differently. Mm-hmm. And so my greatest teacher, uh, people they just asked me this week, where do you get all your insights from? And I said, typically my greatest teacher is my life. Yeah. But I wake up in the morning and... I'm looking for insights. Yep. And if you're looking for them, you know, whatever you focus on, you will find. Mm-hmm. And most people don't focus on the stuff that they're, they really want in their lives. Right. Or the things that really, the things that are happening to them, right? Like life's only a teacher if, if you allow the lessons to come in. Mm-hmm. Because you can go through life without learning anything if you just block everything out and just allow the ego to drive you more or less, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can you can live a life without learning much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think and that was about 10 years ago when my wife Stephanie and I started to, like, invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we went to our first transformational, you know, seminar mm-hmm. class or whatever. And in that seminar, I found out and I became aware of that a lot of people think that life is happening to them. And happening to them, you can hear it in their their vocabulary, hear it in their words. It's like, you know, this always happens to me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why does this always happen to me? I and have to do this. What, when, you, when you hear those words, you realize that they think that's the outside world that's bringing it on to them. And what changed my life is when I found out that life is happening for me. Mm-hmm. As soon as you change that word, all of a sudden... There's only lessons to be learned. You know, life is just a great teacher to say, hey, this is happening to me. And 
do I want to learn from it here or do I have to wait because the patterns will just keep showing up. Yeah. The life will just keep giving it to you until you, until you learn it. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. It's interesting. Uh, I've never really thought of that, but you can definitely see there are patterns that people get stuck in. Um, and the reality is you can't break free of that pattern until you learn the lesson. That's a, that's a really interesting insight. One of the other insights that I think you really clearly and succinctly laid out for, for me a couple weeks back, you said this thing about, it's something that I think everyone on the surface would agree with, but in principle and in practice, um, less people actually apply it to their lives, which was my physical being, my health is my primary concern. Right? And I think if you talk to people, it's easy for people to say, I, I know I have to be healthy, right? Like, I want to be healthy. I want to take care of myself. Of course, I want to take care of myself. But when, when times get tough, right, when there's that little bit of stress, it's so often that people choose to not take care of themselves, right? Like, I'm really busy, so the first thing I'm going to cut out is me. Or I'm having some financial toughness, so the first thing I'm going to cut out is the things that take care and nurture my being. How did you, one, come to, come to that? Because I think, like I said, everyone has that idea, but nobody really applies it. So how did you get to the point where you started to apply it? And then how do you consistently go back to that point where you keep in mind, I have to take care of myself first, because if I don't take care of myself, I can't do anything else and I can't help anyone else. Well, there's, there's, a, a, lot. Lot, there's, a, lot, there's, there's a lot of different directions that I can go with that. Uh, it, there really is. And the first thing that pops into my head, it, it goes back to um, my age. Okay. Um, it, it was about 42 years old, about 10 years ago, when I first realized that while I can see life from a different point of view where life is happening for me, and all of a sudden I realized I'm just as important as other people because I grew up as a people pleaser. It was always everybody else first. And me second. I mean, my parents always did the best they could with what they had. I'm doing the exact same thing. But when it comes to the point of like, you know, I think that there's this, it, it's really, a, they talk about a, a line in the sand. I'm, I, what I would say it would be like when you become aware of the first time that you take and invest like time or money in yourself. Mm -hmm. There's that big gap because most people say, well, I don't need any help. That's, that's, we've been brought up to go like, you know, just do it yourself. Mm -hmm. When you realize that I'm going to invest in myself, I think you like go through a different path. You'll go through another door. And when you open up that door, you're like, you know, I can only be the best I can be as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a human being, if I work on myself mm -hmm. and you have to schedule it because you're totally right. If you have to cut something out, it seems like you're the first person. It's like, mm -hmm. Oh no, I got to worry about this. I got to worry about my kids. And, uh, I had a conversation with a lady five, six years ago and she had this challenge for her. She was asked to go to Peru. It's something she's always wanted to do. She wanted to go and hike and do Peru and go like, it was kind of a spiritual journey for her and she had a four or five year old son at the time and she says you know I always I always look up to your advice I need to ask you this question so she asked me I really want to go 
but it's 10 days or 15 days or whatever, and I'm going to be gone away from him. Mm-hmm. And so I just asked her a few questions, and what I told her is I said, you know, what's the reason you want to go? And she goes, well, I want to go, and I want to, I want to strengthen my spirituality. So I said, "Are you when you go, if you go, I said, are you going to be coming back a different person, a better person? And she says, yeah. I said, well, then I would, I would absolutely go because you're going to come back a better mother. Those yeah. 10 days that you would have spent with your son, it would have been great. But as if you show up and come back as a different person, your whole life changes and then his life changes. Mm-hmm. So you are spending your money. I mean, there's something I just learned today. I was at a, a group, five of us, uh, there's five gentlemen that we meet every week on Friday we were talking about it, and I asked one of the gentlemen, I said, if you had to teach something that was very profound for you in the last 30 days, what would you teach us? And I don't remember the book, but he talked about time, and time is our most precious resource. Okay, precious resource is time. He says, you should need to ask yourself a question. Are you spending or are you investing? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you can say you're investing then all of a sudden you can like, that's the path that you should be going on, but that's the question you should be asking. And it has, it has nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with money. Right. I, but when you hear those two words, you know, spend yeah. and invest, we all kind of go down that path. But when you start to invest your time, mm-hmm. are you investing your time? Like I go every Friday to meet with them. We spend an hour, hour and a half together. I'm investing my time to better myself. Right. And when I can better myself, now I can show up. I mean, you know, when it comes to spending time with loved ones, I've always, not always, in the last uh, couple of years, I've learned it's not the quantity of time you spend with somebody, it's the quality. For sure. And quality has to do with scheduling it. So if you schedule, uh, my wife Stephanie and I go out on a date night every week. We schedule it. So... As an example, most people, if you look at their calendars, if somebody wants to go and look at their calendar right now, they're going to look and they're going to say, I have a meeting with an employee at 10 o'clock in the morning, or I'm going to meet my boss at 2 o'clock for a review. And it's on the schedule and you meet up. But how many times do you have on your calendar that I'm going to um, call my wife and tell her that I love her? If something happened and all hell was breaking loose, you know, are you, and you needed to be somewhere. Are you going to yep. be with your family? Are you yep. going to be with your your company? You're going to be with right. your boss. That's the most important thing. And we, I think sometimes we take them for granted. We know we, we, we feel Often. like they're yeah. That's <laughs> where um, you know we all talk about unconscious love or um, you know unconditional love. Yeah. Unconditional love is a wonderful thing, but we take it for granted. Okay. We always know that this person's going to love us. We mm-hmm. think. Right. So we're like, you know, that's, if you're going to, like you talked about a few minutes ago, if you are in the scarcity of time, you're going to first think about, well, what can I cut out of myself? Mm-hmm. And then it's your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you don't think about, you know, you'll, you'll always show up because your boss is be there at two o'clock or a client because they're paying you here. You, it's, it's kind of interesting on how it's, <laughs> it's super interesting how we prioritize things without a doubt. Um, and I think your point is exactly right, right? We prioritize things by almost exclusively by the monetary cost or monetary potential gain. 
right? So I have to be at this meeting because I make money at this job and this job provides for my family. And the reality is exactly what you said. It's one of my things that's been one of my core principles throughout my whole life, which is money is the most renewable resource on the planet. You can always 100% of the time make more money. It's the only thing really that you can always make more of. And the only thing that you can never make more of is time. Mm -hmm. There's no way to make more time. So you really, you should always prioritize your decisions by how you're spending your time and investing the time is, is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like the perfect, the perfect analogy. Yeah. And if you really start to prioritize what's most important to you, and I believe that we, we need to have a, I've changed this. I don't want to have a balanced life because if, if you think of a balance, think of a balancing thing, you think mm-hmm. of like a teeter-totter and one, one thing's high, the other thing's low and you're like always working on that. For me, I want life to be more in harmony, like yeah. a figure eight, like infinity. And when I can do that, um, I think that, you know, the, the first two things we need to work on are relationships and then our health. Mm-hmm. And as an example... Um, how we met is us walking into your studio and, and, and getting into the yoga. And I think of it as like a, it's a momentum thing. It's a momentum thing. Now, like, you know, people would say to me, you go to a yoga studio, you know, can't you just stretch at home? And, 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 and I'm like, you know, how much is, how much is the investment? And I tell them, and they're like, well, that's expensive. Mm -hmm. And my question always back to them is, Compared to what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's my here's where I'm talking about momentum. If I invest in myself and I believe that yoga is one of the greatest tools to get me where I want to go and I am going two or three times a week, what I'm doing is all of a sudden now I'm loving myself a little bit more. Yep. So as soon as I do that, now I'm going to go home and I might eat a little bit better mm-hmm. and now I might go to bed a little bit earlier. Yep. So now all of a sudden you've got this momentum yep. built up and you're just, you're just walking down that path yep. of that. And I, I love that. Yep. Um, and that's exactly what happened in my life. You know, we decided 10 years ago to go to a transformational program and from there you meet like-minded people mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then, you know, then you start to create mastermind groups mm-hmm. and then you want to hang around with people that uh, are like-minded and then I always say who are, who you hang out with is who you become for sure you're for the sure. average of the five people you hang out with yeah without a doubt yeah. yeah and so you know anybody can do that I mean you know it might be like a little bit of a like a quote or something but if you think about that if somebody would just take that in and just think about it for a second go you know who I hang out with is who I become and think of the five or ten people that you hang out with yep you pretty much or right where you're at yep. and you're not going to grow if you don't, you know, without a doubt. Yeah. You kind of, kind of get there and you're, you're just there <laughs> without a doubt. I always think, I always think on a funny financial thing. I know I, I say, don't worry about financial, but when people say it's expensive, I think you're compared to what is really interesting. Like taking care of myself is expensive. Every, the average cost of a, of a nursing home a year is $300,000. So if you can push off the nursing home five years, You've just saved over a million dollars. So the compared to what questions, a really important question for people to ask. Yep. yep. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a really interesting thing. Now you talked about um, kind of this line in the sand, right? Like I crossed this line of the sand where I started to work on myself. Um, and when I think of like line in the sand, one of the things that I really think of is 
one of the things that's been really helpful for me, which is I define myself by these parameters and these parameters then allow me to be, to make tr decisions really easily, right? Like, so I'm the type of person who doesn't drink soda and then you just don't drink soda from that point. It's all, it's almost like in business, there's these core values, right? Like, um, like a lot of businesses have core values. Some of them utilize them and some of them don't, right? So Enron had core values of respect, integrity, and excellence. Um, I would say they didn't have any of those three, right? So um, they certainly didn't have integrity. We know that because it was a company that was completely wrought with fraud. But there are companies like Zappos that have 11 different core values, um, provide wow factor and do more with less. And, and Zappos is a, an incredible company that follows those things. So it's like, if you can create these parameters and utilize those parameters, they can be really helpful. If you just say, I'm a person that doesn't eat sugar, and then the first time you go to an office party and someone has a plate of cookies and you're like, well, I want one of those cookies, that's not that helpful. But I wonder how you, one, drew that line, how often you use those lines as like, I'm the type of person that does this, and how helpful having that like guidance, parameters, rules, and how much freedom that provides you in life. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does, it does. And I think that when you talk about that, you know, this line in the sand, but you start to, I, the word that I use all the time, is I raised my standards. Yep. I, I had standards here, and that goes right along with when you hang out with us, who you become. Yep. If you raise your standards, you can go to the office party, and you can eat that apple, and everybody else can eat that cookie. Right. Because you've raised your standards. Right. You, and, and I think that everything that we talk about today, if I could say if there's one core thing, that is like the nucleus of like what keeps us beating. Every transformational seminar, book, anything in personal growth, it all comes down to this. It's self-love. Mm -hmm. It is self-love. Yeah. You have to love yourself. Yeah. And it's not in a con you know conceited way. It's just that I love myself and if I choose to eat an apple, or let's like let's relate it to alcohol. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes to go have a beer. Mm -hmm. I choose not to drink beer, mm -hmm. and that's where the peer pressure comes in. If For you sure. hang out with people that drink beer and you get together with them, and you're like, "I'm not drinking tonight," all the sure. slam and comes. Why? What's yeah. what's going yeah. on? No, you're. It's, it's like, and, yeah. and and what you want to do is you just want to look at them and just go, you know, this is my body. Right. This is my <laughs> life. Yeah. Why would you worry about that? Yeah. But. It's, it's like they're uncomfortable and maybe it's something that they maybe want to do, but they don't have enough self-love to go do that. I, um, I've experienced that. So I've never, I've never, con I've consumed alcohol, but it's never been a part of my life, right? Like I've probably had probably less than 10 times in my life that I had alcohol and it's not, it's just not been a thing that I've been really like attracted to. Right. And, um, one of the really, one of the times when that, when you, what exactly what you said got pointed out to me the most, uh, before I met Erica, when I was in the dating scene, I was vegan and I didn't drink, right? So you go out on a date with someone and you're like, 
I'm going to have the weirdest salad on the menu with olive oil, hold the dressing, and I'm not going to drink. And there's like an immediate, like, what is wrong with this person? And then the entire conversation is just like, basically, why don't you drink? What's this problem? Are you, were you an alcoholic? And you're just like, I, I'm just making like choices for me. Like you can do whatever you want, right? That's the thing. And that's where I think it's really interesting is when you don't make those choices, it makes other people around you really uncomfortable. And it doesn't need to, right? Like you can make a choice and I can make a choice and we can make completely opposite choices. And that doesn't have to affect this relationship or this conversation. You're drinking a coffee right now. I'm drinking a water with methylene blue in it. And we, we're not, there's no tension because of that. Like we should all be able to make our own choices. And, and when it becomes that tension, that's when I think you have to separate those relationships, right? Like if someone's going to, peck at you because you're not making the exact same choices they are. They're not allowing you to grow, basically. They're trying to hold you to their standards mm -hmm. instead of allowing you to, to be your own standard. Absolutely. And that's, it's, it happens way too often. Yeah. And that's where, often. that's where the word judgment comes in. Yeah. I think that the person that's sitting across the table from you as you're eating your salad, yeah. they're judging you. For sure. Because you're not meeting their standards. You're not meeting their, their, their meaning of the world. Yep. And, uh, I think of, I think of judgment differently. A lot of people think, you know, I just, you know, you shouldn't judge, you shouldn't judge, you shouldn't judge. We are human beings. We're going to judge. Yeah. I believe, this is my belief, I believe judgment is our friend. I think whatever you believe in the universe, God, Mother, Father, God, whatever it is, I believe that it's a gift that is given to you. So when you judge somebody... They're just a mirror to you of what you need to work on. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Sure. It's, and, you, and, I, and I always explain it to people. If they're older, I'll say, isn't there things that you judged as a teenager that you don't judge anymore? Yeah. And that's, that's because yeah, you've yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah. Now you judge different things. For sure. So when you judge that, all that person doing, that's your brother or sister, and all they're doing is they're just loving you and they're a mirror just sending it back to you going, okay, this is what I need to work on. Yeah. And that's where it gets back to life is happening for me. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did you see yourself becoming as like a 16 year old? I was into sports. Um, I think sports is what got me through school. Okay. School was kind of uh, difficult for me, okay. but I loved the three minutes in between classes. Yeah. I was very social. I loved being around people. Yeah. And so sports and social um, social time kept me in, in the school. So at 16, I had the big dream of like being in the Olympics. Okay. That was, that was my dream. What was the sport? Or the event, I guess, in the Olympics. I guess in the Olympics, it would have been like track, like okay. the decathlon or something like that. Okay. And, uh, you know, that at 16, I would have to say that that's what it was. Okay. Were there, were there, were there athletic idols for you at that point? I wonder if there's even enough marketing around those specific guys at that point in time. Well... It's really funny. I don't want to say this. <laughs> I don't. But I have to go back to my time of being 14 or 16 yeah. years old. And uh, <laughs> the person that won the Olympics in the decathlon was Jenner. Oh, yeah. Okay. So his <laughs> yeah. life has changed since then. Yeah. But back in those days, yeah. you know, him wearing the red, white, and blue. Yeah. 
was uh, you know one of the I guess the people that, that you sense. kind of like looked up to because it was like it was the Olympics. Yeah, it was like a huge thing. For sure, it still is. For sure, it, it's interesting. I don't. So I didn't have. I, I missed out on that, right? I'm, I'm too young for that. Was there was there like a marketing campaign around him? Like, you know, when, um, who was it? It was Dan Johnson, right? Where they, uh, where Nike really pushed that whole like early 80s or late 80s, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Um, was, there, was there any marketing campaign around Jenner at that point? I think if, if I remember back and it's just kind of yeah. foggy, but I think that, he had won the decathlon by so much. Okay. It was a big deal. So yeah. I think he was on TV a lot. And, Got it. And I was at the age where like four years prior to that, I probably wasn't really into the Olympics. Yeah. So this was kind of the first taste of the Olympics. And back in those days, if you did something like spectacular, you got on the Wheaties box. Yeah, yeah. That was, sure. that was, I remember hated the taste of Wheaties, but I had to have that <laughs> when he won. Or, yeah, of course. I had a few of those for sure. Um, and in the overall, in the overall spectrum, right? So beyond beyond the sports world, are there? Can you name one or two people who were your biggest influencers or, or yeah, influencer? I think. What age? At, in life, right? Life. Like total life. Anybody who's been like the key influencer in your life. Hmm. I would say one and uh, would be my uncle. Okay. Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim was uh, a gentleman that kind of lived his life his way. When he when he transitioned and passed away, one of the songs that they played at his funeral was I Did It My Way mm-hmm. uh, by Frank Sinatra. And I remember having conversations with him in he passed away about 20 years ago, but he was a big influence in how I started to see life differently. He was a gentleman that, let's see, he'd probably be in his mid eighties right now. So he was 67 when he went to bed one night and just didn't wake up. But about three or four years prior to that, I was kind of starting to get interested in the like, uh, the world of uh, transformation, personal growth. I started asking him some questions and he really never shared a lot of that with us. He'd come back home and just kind of live in his bubble and he would, of course, talk with you, but if the conversations were about stuff he didn't want to talk about, he just wouldn't talk about it, you know? And so we started to have some really good conversations. He started to send me information on stuff and what was really cool, and I didn't know this at the time, but the, the day... That is, uh, when you transition, a couple days later, they had a uh, uh, celebration for him. And I don't know if we want to call it a funeral, but it was a celebration at the church he went to. The church he had gone to at the time was uh, Science of Minds, is, you know, New Age. And I was really interested in it. It it interested me enough to ask more questions. And um, while I'm at the event, the event, the transition, I'm sitting there and there's a group of family members there. And I knew that my dad and my uncle would not um, get up and talk to everybody. 
because it was like standing room only. There's probably 400, 450 people there. And I said, if I can think of three things that I can remember, I'll go up and thank everybody for showing up. So I got the courage and I stood up there. And then when I turned around and stood at the pulpit, right in front of me was a picture of him looking at me. And what it felt like minutes, I really, I, I emotionally lost it. And I wasn't just crying. I was bawling and sobbing and stuff. And maybe about 40 seconds, it was yeah. really happening. I stood there and I said, every, I told everybody, thank you for showing up from the family. And I says, the one thing that I can remember about my uncle is he was always a great storyteller. And I said, as our nieces and nephews, every time he'd come visit, when he would leave, he'd take his hand, his palm, he'd start to take it and put it in a circle. And he'd go, see you around. <laughs> so what I said is, I said, Uncle Jim, we'll see you around, <laughs> you know? And so... I went down and I sat there and I remember my brother grabbing my leg and he was just squeezing it hard like, you know, way to go. Yeah. And there was a lady sitting right across from me and she just looked at me and put my, her thumbs up. Well, after everything was over with, we were out having cookies and coffee and stuff. And everybody, a lot of, not everybody, a lot of people came up and said, good job, you know, patting me on the back. And this lady that had given me the thumbs up, she came over to me and she put her hands on my cheeks and she looked me square in the eye and she said, I thought that was so brave of you. She goes, you were talking from your heart. And that's when people connect is when you talk from your heart. Yeah. And she goes, I loved your uncle. She goes, we used to go on cruises together. We used, to, I used to go over to his house and we used to have like deep conversations. And I come to find out later on it was Louise Hay. And Louise Hay was a big influence in my uncle's life because a lot of the stuff that he sent me as in like books and tapes and stuff were hers, but he never bragged about him knowing her. And she was, you know, she became, become, you know, very famous for what she yeah. had done for in her life. And she just passed away about a month ago or so. Yeah. Same way that my uncle did, just went to sleep and didn't wake up. That's the way we all want it. Yeah. Wow. So he's, he's one, you know, I, and I, yeah. uh, and he, there's a lot of other ones, but he was probably one of the top ones. That's a cool one. Yeah. All right. Good, getting towards the end. Um, this is a question that I think is just, just really, really open and and um, impactful. And it's just what excites you, like re what really ignites your soul. Two thousand and seventeen. I really thought about what does two thousand and seventeen want to be meant for me, and I think. 2017, I came up with a, a mantra or a mission statement or, and I think it's going to stick for life because the more that I say it, the more I really think that this is it. What I say is my, my mantra or my mission statement for life is I'm here to expand and grow my soul. So to expand and grow my soul is I'm, I'm like a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love to learn things. I mean, you know, we, went, we were talking a while back about the in morning insights. Mm -hmm. It's like I have, we have this thing in our brain called the reticular activating system. And my antenna is always up listening for new stuff. Mm -hmm. And if it touches, touches my heart, I want to know more about it, you know, and, and, uh, I've come to where, you know, it's kind of full circle 
when I went to school, school didn't come easy for me because I was studying stuff I didn't really want. To. Right, right. And now I just want to learn more. Right. I, you know, and I want to learn more, and then I want to share it. Yeah. And and um, I really enjoy. I really enjoy sharing it with people. And that's why I want to read a quote that I had just gotten today. I apologize for for this here. I don't think you need to apologize. Okay. I like the the idea of constant okay. progression. Is just okay. so this is something that in a week I will have memorized and I will probably live by. Okay. I learned today with the five the four guys that I hang out with on a Friday. Uh, one of them said, "What I give." I keep forever. What I keep, I lose. So everything, and, 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 and it really gets down to the process of like, you know, people like, I got I to save, I got to save, I yep. got to save. When we can just give yep. and just give more, yep. we receive more. For sure. And But you have to trust the process, sure. you know. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I love that I, that whole concept. Um, the to me, the idea that you need to protect everything and keep everything that you have away from everyone else is so broken. Um, and the more we create those barriers, and the more we create obstacles in between in between human interaction and in between human relationship, the the less fulfilled our lives are is the reality. And if all your if your entire focus is on keeping what you have away from other people, you're just gonna. It doesn't matter how much you have. You're never gonna be fulfilled. You can never have enough stuff. You can never have enough anything to fulfill yourself. You have to give to be truly fulfilled. I mean, that's that's a that's a principle for humans everywhere. It's just impossible not to have that be true. Yeah. Totally agree. My last question for you is, is there anything you want to ask me? Anything I want to ask you? The answer can't be no. There's lots. (laughs) There's lots. We know each other somewhat. We're getting to know each other better. Yeah. Where do you see Patrick five years from now? Um, Yeah. I, I really... I really see myself in a very similar place, right? Everybody wants to grow into these huge things. Um, but what I see is more of what I'm doing now. Because what I, what I do now is what I love and what I'm passionate about and what fulfills me, right? So getting to interact with people in vitality is my life dream and my thing that, that really nourishes my soul. So in five years, um, I hope that there, that vitality has a bigger platform so that we can connect the, the message and the philosophies and the principles to more people. That's it. There's, there's, there's nothing else that I want other than to connect to more people and to see more people uh, positively progress in their lives. Period. (laughs) And just one more question. What is the mission of of Vitality? So 
the mission of vitality, the mission, the core mission of vitality, right? The the principle that we want to bring to the world is we want people to we want to help people feel, function, move better, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if people can feel better, if people can function better, and if people can move better, their lives are better. And if you can do all three of those things, and you can do all three of those things longer. That impacts, that impacts you, that impacts the people that you have relationships with, because when you feel better, you're nicer to people, mm-hmm. right? When you feel better, you take your shopping cart and you push it back into the cart return. You don't just leave it and drive away because you don't care. So it's all about making, if we can make, if we can just elevate people, right? If we can raise the standards for people mm-hmm. to go back to the Jeff philosophy, if we can, if we can lift the, the standards of enough people to raise the standards of a community, then we've really impacted the world, right? So our goal is, we, we actually brought this out in 2017, it's a big year of transformations. We brought this out to all of our, our staff and teachers here. Um, our 10-year plan is, is to change the world. Um, our five-year plan is to, to change the community that we're in. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope we do that. <laughs> You hope? <laughs> I hope we do that. You will. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, coming on Becoming Legendary. I think this was super insightful. This was definitely super fun for me. I hope yeah. it was fun for you. Oh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Cool. All right, guys. That was the podcast with Jeff Lobeck. What a fun, what an insightful time. What a great conversation. We covered so many things there that that might be a podcast you need to listen to again. Um, The key call-outs from me are they life happens for you, life doesn't happen to you. Everything that happens is a lesson for us to learn from. And it's so easy for us to fall into that feeling of victimhood when something happens in our life that isn't exactly what we had anticipated. And the key thing to remember coming out of that, Jeff called it, life happens for you. As I call it, every impediment of your path creates a new path. Every obstacle creates a new path that creates new opportunity. Uh, Jeff spoke about And we spoke at length about this idea of having to take care of yourself, about investing in yourself, about investing your time to better yourself, to improve yourself, to help your body, mind, and entity function, feel its best. This continual desire to walk down the path of health is something that we can all be more committed to. And the more we commit to that, the better everything in our life becomes. And we have to keep that in mind, especially coming into the holidays here. It's so easy to think that we're too busy to care for ourselves. And the reality is right now, with the stresses that the holidays create. There's a lot of great things the the holidays create, but they also create stress. Family creates stress. There's no doubt about it. We have to take care of ourselves now more than ever. And then that final idea of, final quote that, that Jeff shared with us, what I give, I keep forever. 
What I keep for myself, I lose. Just let that settle in. That's becoming legendary. We'll be back in two weeks. Talk to you then.